Oh, man. Well, well, well. Beautiful people. Best. Damn. Nation. It is Wednesday, and you know what time it is. It is the best damn wrestling podcast. I am your humble, humble host, Brian Renegade. And with me, I have the best damn crew. First of all, uh, this man could either be a thug or a superhero, depending on the time of day and night. He is the green-eyed bandit, the king of grapple. He's your mama's favorite wrestler, and he can whoop your daddy ass, Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews. Yo, what up, what up, what up, what up? What's going on, good people of the best damn wrestling podcast? And with me is El Capitan, the head honcho, the head of the table, the man with the master plan, the Brian Renegade. Why, thank you. Appreciate that, my brother. Oh, man, in the building, uh, he is a Lakers fan. He is a wrestling aficionado. Uh, he is the official bake bro. <laughs> the one and only. Senor Fuego himself, Chef Showtime. What's happening, Chef? What's good? What's good? What's good? Oh, man. We good, my brother. Blessed and uh, highly favored, you know what I'm saying, as the old folks would say. Uh, Best Damn Nation, what's going on? Uh, show us some love in the comment box. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all of those apparatuses, all those uh, 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 apps, uh, thank you for watching us. If you're listening to us on Radio Land, uh, Radio, Pandora, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to the boys at the Best Damn Wrestling Podcast each and every Wednesday or whenever you want to in your leisure. We appreciate you guys' love, support, and all that jazz. Fellas, let me go around the board real quick. What's going on? What's happening Mr. to everything? Man, y'all already know I'm in the building. I'm at the gym. Uh, got a couple of clients coming through and getting a little workout on. Out here making these dollars, um, making making daddies holler, and making the mamas follow. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that. Oh man, Chef Showtime, what's happening, my brother? Same old, same old. Working hard, trying to get this money. Oh man, Chef, the hardest working man is so business, Jack. <laughs> uh, I would be remiss if I did not uh, say what's going on to Beyonce's real baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only entrepreneur of entrepreneurs. This man once had a dream and Martin Luther King stole his whole speech from him. <laughs> Just like Steve Harvest stole Mark Curry. <laughs> the one and only 
LP is in the building. What's going on, man? How y'all brothers doing today? Are we going? We doing good, man. Can't call it. Can't call it. What's been happening with you? Real quick, real quick. Can we can we go ahead and deem LP the Tony Stark of the best damn uh, wrestling podcast? Hey, so so just show them real quick. Show them one of the things that you made for when you do the photo shoots. One of them headpieces. Like you, you really put some thought into the stuff that you do. Show them at least one of them. I just you can see some of the breastplates and headpieces right there on the wall. Handmade. <laughs> Tony Stark, man. Tony Stark. <laughs> Tony Stark. I'm trying to get there. Oh man, uh, LP, you got a big show coming up, my brother. Uh, tell the fans a little bit about your show that you got coming up. Oh yeah, just uh, Back to the Future fashion show based on the. It's not based on the movie Back to the Future, but based on the theme. Decades of fashion: seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand, three thousands. Just you know, going through time and putting on you know, putting together a great show. I officially start this Sunday. So after that, it'll be full. It'll be rolling full, full speed ahead. Oh, man. So if you got some time, go ahead and get your tickets for your boy LP, man. Uh, you know, he's going to be shutting down the city with another fashion show. We're excited about this one, man. Can't wait to see it. Mr. Everything, are you in this Back to the Future uh, fashion show? LP is throwing. Man, I'm, I'm stuck in the past trying to get to the present <laughs> just to see the future. Listen, <laughs> no, cast the call again, LP. What we going to do yeah, with I, it? I missed it again. Look, look, wrestling takes all my time, man. That's the hardship about being a professional wrestler. That's the hardship yeah. against everything. You can't be everywhere. He won't be able to make none of the rehearsals or nothing. He's, his schedule too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He can't, he can't come in limping down the runway. <laughs> Cause somebody hit him with a leg kick. <laughs> you know, say can't roll your kneecaps, Jack. Exactly. Oh man, well, Mister Everything, listen, man, I want you to tell the peoples what we got's going on, man. We got a big interview for you guys. Absolutely, man. We got a, a, an amazing guest happening with us tonight. My man Dante Smiley, one of the greatest talents out there. Uh, listen. We we bring the best of the best of the best on here. That's why we call the best damn wrestling podcast because we bring the best damn wrestlers of the independence of today, tomorrow, and yesterday. Daggone it! That's what we do. And tonight we got somebody that's no way short of one of the best damn wrestlers out there that should be signed by tomorrow. But they're playing. They playing. They playing with us. They playing with us. That's all. That's what they're doing. They're missing out. We're going to bring the talent out here. We're going to bring the talent to you. Don't even worry about it. They ain't got to sign us. We, we come to y'all. How about that? <laughs> oh, man. So I'm, I'm excited about this uh, this interview with one and only uh, Dante Smiley. We're going to talk about him, about his wrestling career, uh, a little bit about his uh, music, his background, and all that jazz. So uh, stay tuned. We got a hat one in the chamber for you, beautiful people. Can't. Wait to see it. Oh man, fellas, real quick. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, 
I got to get into it real quick. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson made a debut uh, last week. Showed up on uh, WWE television. Um, and he said some things uh, that were very interesting. One of them being uh, that he was going to go out and uh, going to sit at the head of the table. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I ain't going to hold y'all, man. I know y'all waiting for it. Hold up. We got an esteemed guest in the building. Uh, popping in this thing. Go ahead, Mr. Everything, and do the due diligence. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> take your attention off of whatever you're doing and put it on this man right here. He is not only a professional wrestler. He is a personal trainer. He is a music artist. He's one of the greatest artists of this generation is my man, my brother, my homie, Dante Smiley. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate y'all having me, bro. Thanks for reaching out. It's good to be with all you fellas. Hey, no oh, man. Hey, before we even get started, before we get started, I'm going to let y'all know something. The first time I met this man, he started talking. I looked behind me and was like, DMX? <laughs> That's good. Where are my dogs at? <laughs> my dogs at fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dante, thank you again for joining the show. Um, we're gonna go ahead and introduce everybody so that way you know who you're talking to really quick, and then we're gonna get right into the questions. Um, right up above me, right here, is our guru. He he's been making predictions and they be coming true for every every now and then. I wish he would predict when we're gonna get signed. Right. <laughs> tomorrow, but it's LP right here. Wrong stuff if it ain't that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, right above him, we got our chef of the chefs of all the chefs who can cook you anything from a, a, a biscuit to a brisket. My man, Showtime. And right above him is our Capitan, the one that runs the show, the one that that put it all put us all together. Our head honcho, our head of the table. Brian Renegade. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. So oh, is he actually a chef? Like for real, for real? Absolutely. Oh no, that's awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna get right to it, man. Real first question. Yo, for those who have been sleeping on rocks, living on a different planet, tell them who Dante Smiley is. Uh, Dante Smiley, first and foremost, is a man of God. Dante Smiley is the father. I am a husband. And those are the most important things I'll ever be for the rest of my life. But outside of that, some of the coats I wear are a published author. I have a bestseller on Amazon. Um, and I got the, I got the receipts to that when I first dropped my book. That first week it was out. I was out selling the Young Bucks on Amazon. The only book that I was behind in the pro wrestling biographies category was actually uh, Mox's book because he literally released the same day that I did. Um, and he was the only one that I was behind. So that's an awesome feat to be able to have because only 1% of the world ever becomes a published author. So it was real cool to be able to dive into that. But uh, even more so than that, I've been a musical artist since I was 18 years old. Uh, formerly back, we're talking 2008 through about 2014, which is when I started wrestling. I was in the scene heavy. I was doing all the Texas tours with major artists when they were coming into town. Uh, did Texas tours with like Waka Flocka. Had to go out to Austin. Did Machine Gun Kelly. I opened up for Travis Scott twice when he was here. One for a festival and one time at a uh, at a, one of his main concerts that's at a place out here called Trees. And then I found wrestling, man. It kind of fell into my lap because I started a wrestling podcast 
with a buddy of mine. Actually, we call it Yes, It's a Wrestling Show. And uh, we cover local indie scenes, some WWE, but more important, we wanted to focus on the indie scene. And uh, that's actually how we got to get to training with the guy that we ended up meeting, Anthony Black, is because one night we went out and did some photography and videography work for a company in this area. Went out with him afterwards, uh, you know, kind of shooting the stuff. And then this chick named Ruthless Lala. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Ruthless Lala, but a great wrestler. She's from Texas, gets around the, the United States doing what she does. But she's the one that linked us to Tony. And now, you know, nine and a half going on 10 years later, the rest is history, man. I've been very blessed with a lot of dope opportunities uh, wrestling-wise. I've been able to do a lot of stuff, as you have, Mr. Everything, that we understand that some people will never get to do, be it TV, be it travel internationally, be it face habitual stars on a regular basis, uh, as we became some ourselves as we are, you know what I mean, with who we face at our associations and, you know, what we've achieved, man. And I don't take that for granted, you know what I mean? That's why I work as hard as I do. That's why I sacrifice everything. I possibly can uh, because not only do I owe it to God for putting me in the talents to be able to do this, but also, you know, the three girls that I have outside of this door right here that are sacrificing even more so when I'm gone and whatnot, you know what I mean? And I I take that to heart uh, with my work ethic and everything that I try to put forth into this business. Oh, man. Um, Talk about being a girl dad. What what are some of the the beautiful things about being a girl dad, and what did you learn about having? Uh, you say you have three girls, having three girls, man. Yeah, two girls. Two girls. Okay. Oh man, um, more than anything, I would say the biggest thing that I've had to learn, bro, is extreme emotional patience. Uh, the the Taurus in me has a natural, very short fuse. I've got a control of that. Uh, like I'm very at peace with a lot of stuff, so I don't get irritated very easily. I try not to let this world see me flinch in any kind of way, but, uh, I I will say the extreme patience because you realize that especially once you have multiple, right? Like, like one, not too bad, but when you start having two and then you start seeing yourself in them, so to speak, and seeing your significant other in them, right? It's it's you versus you a lot of the time. And, uh, you got to talk to them a certain kind of way. Because, one, they're not adults, so you can't talk to them like an adult, you know what I mean? And, and two, that emotional bandwidth that they have as they're going through some of this life processes and learning experiences are the first time. So if they're acting up in a certain situation or letting something really get to them, it's probably the first time they face it, where we've faced it possibly hundreds of times, depending on what it is. And so it's really getting in tune with that and just getting a level of understanding on remembering that they're kids and and this is there's a lot of first times are coming emotionally things we do outside in the world and all that kind of stuff and uh you just have to have a lot of emotional bandwidth to make sure that you're ready for whatever comes because if you're not then you might get irritated with some of it and you just you just can't do that you're a steward of a position you got to grow these young individuals to be you know great teenagers to be great adults or whatever it may be as time goes on and uh, so everything you do matters, everything you say matters, uh, everything they see you do, that you have them do, the way you talk to them, the way they see you talk to your significant other, the way they see you treat people in public, all of that plays a great part in, in their learning process throughout life. And if you're somebody 
that that treats people wrongfully or not with the utmost respect and love like we're supposed to, they're going to see that and they're going to take to that and they're just going to be another version of you by the time they really start doing things themselves in the world, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great point, man. Uh, here at the Best Dead Wrestling Podcast, we love love. You know what I'm saying? And uh, more than everything, we love black love. And we like to give uh, the wrestlers on this show an opportunity to talk about their significant other, man. Um, can you tell us how your wife has held you down in, in both uh, your music and your wrestling career? So I'm 35 right now. Um, I'm in my wife my second semester of college. And so this is the spring of 2008 um, of my freshman year. That's when we met and we've been together ever since. We have our 10-year and our wedding anniversary coming up in uh, August on the 2nd. But oh, more congratulations. She, um, she's, she, we've grown up together, right? Because even at 18 and 19, you're still kids figuring it out for the most part. You know what I mean? And uh, that's, what, that's what a lot of people really don't think about. And uh, so we grew up together, and she's been with me through some of my worst stuff. You know what I mean? I've been through uh, addictions in my past. I've been through situations where I can't, couldn't get over past family fluff, you know what I mean? And she comes from a good nuclear home, you know what I mean? Mom and dad have been married 35 plus years, something plus, somewhere around there, whatever it is, you know what I mean? She was a great school kid, graduated college where I got bored and dropped out and started just focusing on music and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? But through it all, after I got over my addictions, after I got over my fluff, after I got saved, I asked her one time, you know, like, why she stayed with me, you know what I mean? Why did she stay believing in me? And the one thing that she said is that uh, she could see one, number one, she could see more in me than I could in myself at that time. And she could, she told me that she could see the version of me three to five years that aligned that I was going to grow into and really felt in her heart that what I was doing and going through in those moments in my early adult life were exactly that, early adult life situations. And she, you know, believed in that maturity in me. And, uh, and now we're doing well, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm one of the first people to own a business in my family, um, technically the second. My grandma owned a daycare, I own a fitness training business, you know what I mean? I'm the first, like I say, published author in the family. I'm one of the only ones that isn't working like a nine to five job. I work for nobody else, answer to nobody else. You know what I mean? And uh, so it's a beautiful thing to kind of change that generational curses that were amongst my family at one point in time and kind of change the legacy for you know, my downline and on as, as you know, they get older and have kids and so on and so forth, really lay down the foundation and change of what the smiley last name means because namesake is really important to me. Namesake may not be important to a lot of people, but I, my dad was a proud smiley and he was one of the hardest workers. You know, like I've seen this man sell jewelry off of his fingers for me to be able to be in basketball tournaments and stuff. You know what I mean? He was that kind of, he was a hustler. He was a grinder, did whatever he could. So I had to take that and run with it and do greater than that as he raised me too. So now watching me live out my dreams of being a professional wrestler and traveling the world and seeing me on TV and just seeing me flourish in life, family, uh, faith, finances, friends, associations, and all that is just music to his ears, you know what I'm saying? Because he's like job well done to himself uh, for raising me better than, you know, better than he was, as we all want to do as parents, is raise our kids better than how we were raised and so on and so forth. Them be better than what we are and whatnot. So that's exactly it. Oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, you mentioned that uh, that you that you were saved. Can you talk about your uh, your spiritual journey on, on your uh, way 
on your journey to enlightenment and to connect with uh, your creator. Yeah. So um, before 2017, like I was complete non-believer. It wasn't that like I was more of what they call agnostic, I guess, is what they call where it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like if you really come out. Yeah. You know I mean, it's like I get yeah. it. That's my brother. You know what I'm saying? And like, like I get it because now that I've been on both sides, like I get it. You know what I mean? Um, but something typically happens in somebody's life, like you say, that makes them feel enlightened and start seeing and calling on something higher than themselves or believing in something higher than themselves or really being priests to themselves and their environment. And what had happened was in 2016, uh, it was in November 2016, I suffered uh, my first major injury ever. We're two, we're two years into my wrestling career. I'm holding like four titles at the time. I'm two months away from going to Germany to work with uh, Alex Wright, who used to be in WCW. Uh, he's out there in Nuremberg, Germany, and I was going to go work with him that January for like a week to train and be on a couple shows. And I dislocated my foot training one of my basketball clients. I was a skills coach and uh, at a uh, fitness connection out here, and I dislocated my foot. And when I had everything stripped, when I was in college, I used to have a bad pill addiction at one point in time when I was in college. And I got over all that, you know, but when I got injured, the first thing that obviously doctors do is give you pills, especially on a dislocation when they got to aggressively adjust it and all that kind of stuff. And then I went back down that rabbit hole and started getting really depressed, started getting really suicidal um, and kind of didn't know what to do. I'm going off on everybody. I'm kind of losing myself because at that time, everything that I was was wrapped in what I did, not who I was. You know what I mean? And, uh, and there was just one day where I was just honest with my wife about how I was feeling in one moment uh, when I was having some bad thoughts go through my head, some suicidal thoughts. And she was like, you know, like, I've tried to help you. Um, but she was like, I don't know what else to do. You don't want to go to therapy. You ain't really expressing what you're feeling to me and all that kind of stuff. Because, like, I'm, I was locked into myself and my mind and everything that was going on in there. And I had a client named Ali Makahi and, uh, that I trained in fitness. And every week she would give me a church invite card. Um I never went for years. Like I had this lady training me for two, two and a half years, never went. She habitually gave me one of those invite cards every week. And um, I'm a person that like the cards, I typically didn't keep them, but for whatever reason, this day there was one that was still in my wallet. So after I talked to my wife, I went to my wallet and I saw that card in there. And it was kind of like a last ditch effort to to find something, you know what I mean? To, uh, Cause I didn't know what else to do, you know? And uh, so that following Sunday, we went to the church that we went to, which is Elevate Life Church out here in Frisco, Texas. And uh, ever since then, I haven't stopped going. If I'm within eight hours on an event on a Saturday, I'll drive back overnight just to make sure uh, that I'm in church on that Sunday morning. You know what I mean? I've become a big part because I never want to go back to that, that, that feeling that I had before. You know what I mean? So I just try to stay real intentional and stay real in the thick of it. Uh, as far as my involvement in church, because I do 100% believe that me giving my life and getting saved in this, you know, the, you know, in Christ and all that, um, saved my life. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's, it's kind of cliche because that's what more every, you know, Christian, you know, Christ, Jesus believer says. But I mean, it's a God, the honest truth, because I, I was uh, I was on a very, very dark and uh, bad path and had a cloud over my head up until that point. 
And the moment I walked into that church, I felt a relief like I never felt before. And uh, I made sure that I, I didn't ignore that key that I got at that moment, that download that I got in that moment. And I stayed true ever since. Oh, man, that's a, that's a beautiful answer, man. Uh, Chef Showtime got a question for you. Go ahead, Chef. Uh, what two belts are you holding back there? I see them two belts. So, yeah, so the white one is the main OIWA International Heavyweight Championship. I've been that champion for the better half of three years. I had it for a little over two, and then I relinquished it because we we're supposed to go on that CYN tour when me and uh, – me and Andrews was part of CYN, and we were getting ready to go on that tour before Brian Stroman got re-signed by the E. Uh, then the tour got canceled. Uh, so then uh, I came back and ended up actually winning again. This black one is the OIWA International Heavyweight Championship, but this is a custom one that they that uh, Sir Mo from Men on the Mission made me because he's the one that runs the OIWA, and he made me that custom black one, uh, you know, for the work I put in as I've been champion, a lot of the stuff that I did backstage because I told him I wanted the black leather. So he gifted me with that one as, you know, my personal one. So the moment God willing forbid anybody beats me whenever that happens, uh, <laughs> they're getting that white one, that black one's going in the case because that black one's like my version of the Brahma bull belt. <laughs> <laughs> I dig that. We got uh, Sir Mo on the show tomorrow, man. You got a question that uh, you want us to ask Sir Mo? Um, ask Sir Mo, who is the one wrestler that he thinks is the most looked over currently on the independent scene? Okay. Cause right, that's a good question, yes. Myself and a lot of others that he has brought in that I face that he's got relationships with, and I'll be interested to see who he says. Will you be mad if he doesn't say your name? Not at all. There's a lot of okay. good wrestlers. <laughs> There's a lot of good wrestlers out there. You know what I mean? But, like, I want to, like, because he's probably 100% going to say me. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. But it's his reason why. Because he's a very intricate person and pays attention to a lot of detail in the game, right? It's not just the wrestlers, but the game of wrestling from promoters to how and stories that he hears when people go to the AEW or NWA or WWE and what people go through to be able to get there or what people barely go through to be able to get in some of these spots as well you know what i mean and uh whatnot so and he has a very good mind for that kind of stuff and has very good opinions uh, about that kind of stuff so if he's on tomorrow i would definitely look at really like picking his brain on the game of wrestling bro because he loves sharing it and he'll and the thing is you'll get honest answers you ain't gonna get no fabricated sugar coating i'm not trying to break the internet type answer he's gonna keep it real with you as i will you know what i mean yeah Oh man, that's a good one. Oh man, I gotta go to the resident. Uh, go ahead, uh, Chef Showtime. I have one more question. If you get to pick one dream match from the past or present, who would you face? One dream match from the past to present, man. I think because uh, my my most influential bro is uh, Randy Orton, bro. I think I mean Randy Orton. Like, everything about him, right? He, he doesn't miss. If he ain't injured, he ain't missing. You know what I'm saying? You, you can't really tell me a bad match that he's had, to, to be honest, in a, in a very, very long time for the most part. But he's also been one of my favorites for a very long time. Uh, obviously, I come, I'm come. i an Attitude Era kid. Like I said, I was born in 88, so the mid-90s, late-90s is really when I was deep into wrestling, all the figures, all the shirts, every Monday night Raw. And uh, so The Rock is very influential 
obviously as well and one of my favorites but more than anything bro i would i would be able to uh die a happy death getting getting able being able to face randy orton at least one time you know what i mean and the crazy thing about it those kind of matches aren't far-fetched you know what i'm saying they're not you know what i'm saying the thing is right it's right time so the right things can happen so uh, you just stay grinding and whatnot, and I stay believing, and, and I'm going to just always stay doing the work because that's the one thing I can't control is my effort, the emailing, the showing up, the present, the presentation, keeping myself in shape, keeping myself healthy, and making sure every time I step in that ring, I put it on a high-quality match, you know what I mean? Because as it goes, you know, you're only as good as your last match was, so you have to perform every single time that you're out there and put on a top match as best as possible for whatever that story is calling for. Oh man, uh, go to the villain of the best damn wrestling podcast, LP. Uh, I I, I want to ask, like, what you've been um, been saving religious? Does that ever affect like storylines that you have to do, or do you ever be like, I don't want to do that because of this or that, or do you keep it separate? How do you go? How do you go about that? Yes. So, funny story. Um, it has, and I've I've denied. Storylines, I've denied certain like promo type pitches and stuff like that a multitude of times. Um, mainly it's been because more so not on the size of um, really that, but I remember one time I was pitched to do this like chick approaching me type scene and you know, the cameras kind of like catching me with her at a bar, you know, that, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? It was, it was something like that, I can't remember because it was like four or five years ago. Uh, about four years ago when I was pitched it. So we're talking 2020, 2019. But it was something of the sort where they wanted to meet us and seem like I was having relations with a woman for storyline purposes. And, you know, Macho Man Hulk Hogan and, you know, Miss Elizabeth type stuff. And I completely did not want to do that because I was like, I'm married and that's not a thing. Real life ain't no gimmick to me. You know what I'm saying? And people know I'm married, I'm happily married. And uh, so I wasn't going to disrespect my wife by doing something like that because I feel like that's what stuff like that will be doing. And there's no way that I was remotely going to do that and have anybody remotely thinking anything of any sort, one little bit about that kind of stuff when it comes to me. My integrity is way more important than a little promo pitch that's going to get maybe 10,000 views. You know what I'm saying? It's like That stuff ain't worth it. No, so yeah, I'm a hundred percent. But anytime I've had like two situations like that, but that's about the extent of me denying a storyline based off of something that's in my private personal life. Was it was it a hard was it was it a hard decision or was it something you right then you're like nope, ain't no debate, oh, ain't no team in my mind, nothing. Oh. Right away, I was like, you know, I can't do that. <laughs> like, that's exactly, I think that was my exact answer to him. I was like, you know, I can't do that. I was like, you know who I am. I was like, you know what I'm about. You know, he was like, oh, I was just saying, if you, you know, I was just trying to test you and see what you would say. I was like, no, you weren't. You wanted me to do it because you thought it was going to be a good story. But I'm not, dude. It, it was right off the rip that I was denying that 100%. Is that trying to test your gangster? You, they know black men don't cheat. Right, yeah. I'm saying, I'm is that more on the independent side of things where you can deny stuff like that? Because I've seen, let's say, the WWE side where I've seen guys do stuff where I know they didn't want to do it, but they did it. So is it is it different? Is it different when you're signed with like a bigger company versus an independent? Like, I'm pretty sure Jr. didn't want to kiss Vince McMahon's butt on, right. or, or or stuff like that when they did it. 
So is there a difference when it comes to that or I'm and I'm just talking about in general. Like is, right. is there a difference even with the business when independents can say no and if you're on the bigger roster you can't, or it's the same thing regardless? Well, like it's the same thing regardless, because you can say no anywhere because we have free will in this world. Um, they might feel like they can't say a certain thing because they're scared they're going to lose opportunity, lose money, or lose something in the situation. So it's, uh, you know, it's a what's it worth to you situation. For some people, their integrity isn't worth it. You know what I'm saying? Because life is life is bigger than some all this, right? Like the grand scheme of life is bigger than anything that happens in professional wrestling. We have to remember that. And because uh, you got to answer to people, you know what I'm saying? So back in the day, it was a lot more people willing to bend over backwards. And this is based off stories that I've heard on how the game worked, where people were willing to risk it for the biscuit to get that elbow rub or get that push. But nowadays, I feel like even at the majors, they respect game a lot more when it comes to what happens in people's personal life because they have to, because social media exists now. So everybody sees who people are married to, even if they're not married to another wrestler. They see the wife, they see the kids, they see this person, you know, playing Barbies, you know, Tommaso Ciampa posts his daughters all the time and he's in there getting his nails painted and playing with his Barbies with his daughter and that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's easier and more well-respected to be like, you know, I'm not going to do that. And, and it'd be like, okay, it, rather than back in the day when I don't think it used to be so much like that, right? Because once again, with social media, you can't hide from anything. WWE pulled that curtain back when they had that uh, that, that NXT show that they had way back in the breaking ground or something like that, if I remember what it was called. Um, and, and so that's when the curtain really got pulled back on this business, right? Because they were doing all the behind-scenes stuff and building up matches and all of that. And uh, so ever since then, everybody's been like, all right, you know, screw it. Kayfabe what? Yeah, ever since then, and it just deploying whoever they genuinely are all over social medias and not really sticking to the gimmick on social media as well. Okay. okay. Oh, man. What's the, uh, what's the biggest lesson that you learned since becoming champion? Ooh. The biggest lesson I would say that I've learned being champion would be not everybody that seems happy for you is happy for you. Mm, that's good. Well, you preach it today. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, because here's the thing, right? At every single company, there is one top spot. One. At every company, there's a top spot. In the OIWA organization that has multiple companies under it, we got like four, four or five companies mm -hmm. under the OIWA umbrella. So this title is the number one title of the organization. So I'm the champion of all the champions when it comes to the organization. And uh, that, that's the foundation, right? But then at SOAR, you got the SOAR heavyweight champion. At CKW, you got the CKW heavyweight champion. At SCW, you got the SCW heavyweight champion. So them at their pro, at their promotions is the number one spot. And there's still only one for that said company. Not the organization, but there is for the organization. But for that said company, there's only one women's title in the organization. So there's only one woman's spot. There's only one top spot for the tag teams. So you know what I'm saying? So people would be idiotic, to be honest, to, to not be somewhat of like, damn, I want that when it comes to that title 
You know what I mean? Or at least to be in a match with me with that title because I generate good social media presence and my videos get real good plays on YouTube and things like that. So it can literally just get more eyes on them if that's the case uh, with, with, the, with the audience that I've been able to build for myself and that we've built uh, as the organization as well with everybody that's a part of it from you know, the from the people that just helped set up as far as our students go all the way to Sir Mo and Jason Mountainado that run the organization. And um, and so, yeah, but there's been some people that I thought were close and I've seen it through other situations where jealousy kind of happened between friends for no reason other than wearing emotions on sleeve and forgetting that it's not about them and forgetting Wrestling is a work at the end of the day. And like the Iron Claw said, people get chosen for positions based off whatever the promoter feels to be in said position. And they get to stay in that position for however long said promoter wants them to. You know what I mean? And uh, it's all about value at the end of the day, too. How much value do you bring overall, right? Can you be the guy? Can they send you to schools and do these talks if they need to? Um How's your social media presence? Do you present yourself as a professional? Do you show up to every show in sweats? Or do you dress up to every show without being asked? You know what I'm saying? And that all the pieces, right, make up what it takes to be a top guy. And not everybody is fit for that like they think they are. And not everybody is willing to, to change themselves to be fit for that position and would like to stay how they are and be in that position. And it just doesn't work like that overall at every company. You talked about uh, your last name and and leaving a legacy uh, of respect for your last name. Um, what does it mean to to carry on that tradition of the smiling name to you and your family? Well, it it means a lot because a smiling last name is one. So I'm from Oklahoma City, technically. That's where I was born. I've been in Texas since I was three years old. But I was born in Oklahoma City and all my family from there. So all my upline from some part of Oklahoma. And the smiley last name, as as dope sounding as it is and as ear catching as it is, uh, ain't worth shit, uh, to be honest. Like in the past, I'll, I'll, you know, like grandfather was hard worker, but, you know, like nine to five was gone all the time. You know what I mean? Uh, and whatnot. My dad was a hard worker. His siblings, I have family members that were former prison uh, crack addicts uh, like that was synonymous with the smiley last name up until really my dad met my mom and kind of took him out of that at one point in time. Mind you, my parents ain't together anymore, but my dad meeting my mom, mom kind of from the Burbs area of Oklahoma, but uh, she took my dad out of that environment to help change him. And then in turn, I saw my dad work hard, like I said, selling rings off his finger, chains off his neck to be able to pay $500 for me to be in a tournament down at UT that a college scouts are going to be at. You know what I mean? But I wanted to even do more than that. And so I wanted to be the first one to genuinely live life on my means, chasing something that I've always wanted to do. You know what I mean? Not do stuff because it's what I had to do to be able to provide, but provide being able to do whatever I want to do in my life with chasing this dream. And uh, so that's what changing it is for me, man. And, and that's exactly what it is, is the legacy changer. And that's the conversation that my dad and I actually had recently. You know what I mean? I got Smiley tattooed like Jersey style on my back real big and like graffiti brick style. 
And uh, because I like genuinely wanted to wear it on my back. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my last name. I was proud of what my dad did for me and my mom as well. You know what I mean? Um, they, they split when I was like four or five years old. Um, but both of them were very hardworking individuals. But I didn't want to just I didn't I didn't want to be a nine to five hardworking individual. I wanted to to be able to show people that you could do more. You could you could be bigger than this. You can achieve your dreams. You don't have to succumb to this job just to be able to provide if you really want to go out there and get it. And I just put my head down and grind it uh, from the music, you know, flowing into wrestling, flowing into fitness and uh, just nonstop all go. You know what I mean? My schedule is crazy as far as everything, you know, that, that I do throughout my life to, you know, make up what Dante Smiley does and how I provide for my family. Uh, but it's all stuff that I want to do on my means, you know what I mean? Because it's all stuff that I love and things that I'm gravely passionate about. Absolutely. Uh, we mentioned Sir Mo a little bit earlier, man. Uh, do you believe that Sir Mo belongs in the uh, WWE Hall of Fame? Belongs in the WWE Hall of Fame? I think he does. I think because man and mission, you got to remember, they're one of the top black tag teams of that time. That's what people forget, you know what I mean? Because everybody looks at Mabel all the time, which rightfully so, to do with ginormous, right? Like, so he stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, every tag team kind of has, you know, the guy that does the comeback and the guy that takes the heat. You know what I'm saying? That's stereotypically how it goes. And Mo was the heat taker. He will get in there, do some fancy stuff, and take it. But Men on the Mission was a legendary tag team. You know what I'm saying? They faced Diesel. They faced Shawn Michaels. They faced all them cats. Like, all the cats people enamor over. You know what I'm saying? The only thing is, they were black during this time. If we're being completely honest, and it was times are way different than now, and and, and especially back then, you know what I'm saying. And uh, so it was hard for him, man, because you 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 had to had to walk on very 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 thin glass to to remotely get a piece of a corner piece of a chicken leg. You know what I'm saying? Or right. Get any? And um, so yeah, I would definitely say so, man, because men on the mission, they're one of the first rapping gimmicks of WWE and how many rap gimmicks have they had since then? A lot. Men on the Mission did that. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, right. so forth. And uh, so I think respect is due in that in the circumstance. You know what I mean? They had one tag team championship run. So it ain't like they had a lot, but just like any other sport, you don't need to win championships to be able to make the Hall of Fame. It's about influence and what you achieved uh, with, with the time that you did in the times that you did. Right. I absolutely uh, agree with you on that, man. Um, well, you just mentioned uh, something about music, right? When did you first fall in love with music? And where did your musical influences come from? Uh, I first fell in love with music as far as listening um, when I was probably, I would say, eight, nine years old. And uh, because of my brother, actually, he had huge zip folders, you know, with the inserts to put CDs in, but like boxes of those big folders. And I mean, my brother listened to everything from Marilyn Manson to Tupac to Shania Twain to Garth Brooks. He just loved music. He could play four or five instruments himself as well. Like, so he was very, very smart and had great sound uh, and, and, you know, genre love. He was, he was definitely not discriminatory when it came to the genres of music that he listened to. But as far as doing it, um, it was, you know, me and one of my homeboys, Antonio, back in high school, downloaded this program called Audacity, got a USB plug-in mic, and uh, we just got into freestyling at the tables 
when Clips came out with that song Grinder. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Doing it on the table. And, uh, so we used to freestyle with one of our coaches all the time. We used to stay freestyling at the tables. And then finally, we were like, man, let's start actually recording. You know what I'm saying? And it was something that I actually like took and ran with ultimately even after that. Because when I got in college, I never stopped. You know what I'm saying? And we recorded our first track towards during my senior year. And I was already 18 at this time. So I was 18 when I recorded my first one. But even my freshman year, the first thing that I did was go pick up some equipment, put it in the dorm with me. When I moved to the apartment my second year, I upgraded everything because now I have my own room and kind of started expanding. And, you know, I was out there in Denon throwing shows at uh, like Haley's and Andy's and Rubber Gloves. And really, I was one of the, the backpack rappers at the time when that was the thing to be said. Um, because Denon was really split. You had, you had like your, your, like, I'm going to call it spade a spade. The white boy rappers that were over here. So they were doing like, you know, the Beast Boys style kind of rap, the boom bap type rap. And yeah, then yeah. you had the street rappers. Like, you go over there at a certain time, if you know people, you know what I'm saying? And I came in, and I'm cool with everybody. So I was doing tracks with them over here. I was doing tracks with them over here. And so when I do shows, I was bringing all this together from the backpack rappers of the college kids to, to the boom bap rappers that were over here, to the street rappers that were over here and putting us all in one spot and really uh, you know, cultivating a community of hip hop artists that were from different areas that could really coincide and throw shows that people would come out to and people would enjoy uh, with no drama. And that's exactly what I was able to do. And then I started getting a little bit more popular performing South by Southwest out in Austin, which I don't know if y'all are familiar with South by Southwest, but yeah, it comes through Texas outside of uh, also uh, Austin city limits. But um, started being official artist for that like three years in a row. Like I say, when major artists were coming into town, I was opening up for them at the big venues out here. Travis Scott, Casey Veggies, Waka Flocka, a whole bunch of people that were out in this area. You know what I mean? It was real. It was real crazy. And um, and then got into some stuff. I took meetings out in L.A. at one point in time, and got out there, did some stuff I shouldn't have been doing out there, drug wise. And it was like from that moment on, on seeing how the entertainment business was and how people really like survive in it and what they get offered and the influences. There's a reason I haven't been back to L.A. ever since this point. You know what I'm saying? I had opportunities to, but I had this dark cloud that was over me. And that's when really weird, bad stuff kind of like started happening all around me, not to me, but around me. And uh, I heeded that knowledge and kind of saw everything for what it was. And, and so then something happened at a show. A big fight broke out for the first time when I've been throwing shows for seven, eight years at this point. And it literally, in an instance, took my love away from music um, for a good while. This is in 2014 when that happened. And so I stopped doing music from 2014 to 2017. I just wanted nothing to do with it after this situation happened. I wanted to remove myself from what I saw myself becoming because I realized I needed to mature if that's what I wanted to be able to handle myself in that business and the influences that come along with it. Um, because I wasn't at that time, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that, 
that more success is really what it was. Like I knew I wasn't ready for more success or else I would have had it. And, and I'm glad it, and I'm glad it got noticed and I didn't get it at that time. Cause I may not be alive right now to be a hundred percent honest if, uh, if that was the case, but I took those years off and then I came back more matured, more life and, uh, been hitting the ground running ever since. I've been, anytime I throw, I still throw shows every now and then I was in Austin earlier this year to do a festival and whatnot. I'm about to release an album actually next Friday. I'm going to be releasing the cover art, the track list, and a video this Friday uh, on my social medias. Album dropping next Friday. Album titled, It Is What It Is. Oh, I said what I said. I got an EP later dropping that it is what it is. But this one is, I said what I said. And um, and, it, and it's going to be a very a very in-your-face album. I'm, I'm calling a spade a spade in a lot of stuff that I say. Um, it's, it's, it's very real world versus spiritual world and the battle that really comes with that with life influences because we're human and we're all going to fall short of the stick and i talk about that kind of stuff in some of the songs um and this is gonna be it's my best project man the dude that i had executive produce it this guy named trevor Lawson out here that's been in the music business for a long time and managed and ep'd a lot of artists uh He's been around me for a long time, but this is the second time that we're actually working together. But he's heard probably 10 or 12 of the projects that I've dropped since I met him back in 2009. And uh, he's like, this, if nothing comes of this, it might not happen type situation. You know what I mean? Because he was like, you got some stuff on this that should definitely get a lot of traction. So we just got to get it in the right hands. Get some of these to the DJs, get some of them to some of the radios. It's not club music. I'm definitely a storytelling, very relational artist in how I speak and how I rap and, and the influence I'm trying to make with my music. Um, so it ain't gonna be played in clubs and stuff like that. But radio DJs, I definitely, you know, want to get it to and get it on some of these Spotify playlists and stuff like that. That way in blogs that are still out there that people post on and people go listen to. So I'm really excited about this release than I have been for the last few releases that I've released since being back. I don't know what you're talking about, brother, man. You sent us a banger. Uh, and I got to play it for people. <laughs> you talking about it ain't going to get played in clubs. You crazy. Uh, you can feel free to perform along with the song because we love music. You know what I'm saying? We're going to vibe along with you, my friend. You know what I'm saying? But I got to play uh, a little snippet of this song that you gave us. Uh, Apex, man. I was I was listening to. It. I was like, this is this is fire right here. So, <laughs> yeah, talking about so they ain't gonna get played in the club. Best damnation. I'm gonna let you be the judge of that. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and play the track, man. Like I said, brother, you can feel free to perform to it if you want to. Sound good. <laughs> it's time to run it up. It's time to run it up. Man, I've been real different since I stepped up to the scene. Big Molly 101, yet they try to copy me. That's why they call me the Apex on an island of my own. G-O-A-Z, let's be real, that's been known. Cause I've been real different since my birth in 88. My father always told me y'all was gonna be great. Now the world gets to see me raise the bar on the daily real life. Ain't no gimmick, that's the motto, ain't no fake. 
last name ever, first name greatest, born with the crown, that's why they call me the apex, winning so familiar, taking L's is born, I'm in this game forever, in 14 I got sworn in, three fingers raised, now I ain't banging around the cities that I'm from, they the cities that made me, grew up fighting, this court circles, nothing new, now I stomp a chest and drop a head and get paid too, my whole thing have changed over uh, all the years. years. Boys think they bout it, but God is the only man I fear. fear. Gold belt collecting, Collectin'. hater block wearing, real shining bright, succeeding, not caring what they say. Man, yeah. I've been feel different since I stepped onto the scene. Big Molly 101, yet they try to copy me. That's why they call me the Apex on the island of my own. G-O-A-G, let's be real, that's been known. Cause I've been feel different since my birth in 88. My father always told me y'all was gonna be great Now the world gets to see me raise the bar on the daily real life Ain't no gimmick, that's the mind Bill different Bill <laughs> <laughs> different yeah. What you talk about? That's, that's a flamer right there, boy <laughs> uh, that, that was a fun one So funny thing, right? As a wrestler throughout my career I've never used non-original music outside of my own or some of my rap friends that I've known, obviously, since I've been in the game. I always need to put them on or have one of my own tracks as my interest music. I never once in my career from day one have used any mainstream song as my interest music. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. You can walk down and be like, yeah, I made this. <laughs> Download it on Spotify iTunes. <laughs> now, I've done a couple tracks from some other people as well, too. So it's been real cool that people wanted me to do that kind of stuff. Cause I'll do um I I don't they don't call them jingles anymore, but pretty much jingles for businesses and stuff, maybe for their podcast or for commercial they're doing and stuff like that. I've done like all that uh as the artist as well. So that's pretty cool too to kind of have that as little little side jobs and side quests to do, you know, just for fun when people need it. So it's been dope, man. Bless me with a lot. Man, we ever need one for the show, I'm calling you. Yeah, let me know. <laughs> let me know. I love it. I love it. Man. Music, music was the first thing that I was like over the top passionate and gung-ho about. Music and wrestling, you know what I'm saying? But music was the first love. I loved basketball when I was playing it, you know, and all that kind of stuff growing up, sports and whatnot. But as far as something where I was like, I could do this, I want to do this, and I want to do everything I can to do this, Music has been that thing since I was 18 years old, you know what I mean? And like I say, outside of that three years, that's never gone away. I love doing it. I feel like music is one of the top means that you could touch almost every single person in this world, right? Because it's out there and it's going nowhere. We listen to music from 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It's timeless. And so it never gets lost in the shuffle of anything. And that's what I love about music because it allows you to relate to individuals, man. There's nothing like I'm controlling a wrestling crowd is dope in itself, but it's dope in a different kind of way than standing in front of thousands of people rapping a song that's rapping it back to you or you telling them to put their hands up and they put their hands up and just seeing in unison everything happening, seeing relate and seeing people cry. Oh, man, it's, 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 it's wild, man. It's a whole different experience being a musical artist as a performer there 
than even as the rest. They both have different ways that they're very similar, but also very different when it comes to really connecting with a crowd and getting on the same wavelength with the people that are paying to watch you in those moments. Absolutely, man. Uh, I love how, how music uh, really speaks to the character. How does your music speak to your character? Uh, it does because, I mean, I, that's why I say I'm built different, you know what I mean, especially with that song because anytime I change, I'm going to change my song with it, you know what I mean, if I'm changing gimmicks and right now, I'm in that build, that that build different mode. You know what I mean. Um, and what I'm what I mean by that is I operate as a one of one, right? I don't get caught in what anybody else is doing. I could care less because if I give that situation over there what they got going, ten percent of my attention, that's ten percent less that I have to focus on me. And I think it takes a build different mindset to be able to do that. When I hit the gym five out of seven days a week and train exactly how I have to train to be able to keep myself healthy and keep myself strong and looking good for TV. I have the discipline where I don't need somebody to tell me to go. I have the discipline where people don't need to tell me to eat right. Granted, I'm a trainer, so obviously I'm going to be disciplined because I'm telling other people to as well. But at the same time, it takes a different mindset to really get in tune with being like, okay, my friends aren't on the same fitness journey that I am. Those other wrestlers aren't on the same fitness journey as I am, and so on and so forth. It takes a different mindset for that, and I correlate it to a lot of aspects of life with the way I operate that a lot of pe other people don't operate like that, and that's where the whole built different uh, mindset for myself and the definition that I've given that word to myself in the song with the things that I do, uh, you know, that's how it goes. What do you want people to know? about you if people are just finding you out for the first time uh and they're trying to find out who you are and why should they get behind you and support uh your, your character and your growth what do you want people to know about you um i would say more than anything is that it's not about the one thing it's about the all things and i'm about the all things so i'm a person where you will look at me you might find me as a wrestler, but the moment you click on anything, you're going to see everything else. Some people find me as a fitness coach. They click on the thing. They see me and everything else. I'm living proof that you can live life by your means when you realize that it's about all the things and not just the one thing. Life is bigger than the thing, right? It's, it's all this, how you, once again, how you operate with people, how you operate, deploying your 1% that God has given you in this universe and making sure and acting on it. A lot of people are afraid to act when it comes to them getting some kind of download with an opportunity, right? Because opportunities only last for the lifetime of that said opportunity. Opportunities do not always come back around. I hate when people say that. Oh, if you miss it, it'll come back around. That's, that's the biggest lie that people have ever been told. Opportunities don't always come back around. Sometimes you miss it and you'll never see it again. And so you really have to seize those opportunities in the lifetime of that opportunity. And the only way you could do that is if you're thinking on a greater scale about doing all the things that you've kind of, you know, wanted to do and being fearless, obviously, in that pursuit. And it may not be something like wrestling. It may be going back to school and finishing a degree. You know what I mean? Or something of the sort. It may be mending a relationship with your mom because you know you're holding on to it, but you could possibly be the only one holding on to it. There's an um, enormous amount of things that that could be. 
But we have to be able to be in tune with ourselves to be able to realize that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have to let uh, Chef Showtime go. Uh, real quick, Chef, let the people know where they can find you. Hey, you guys can find me on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, as Chef Showtime or Dante Carter. All right. Yes, Sorry, off, Chef. I'll see you later. Uh, on behalf of Chef, man, I know that you uh, mentioned your, your fitness journey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that people at home can do to try to get back in shape for this year? Um, to be honest, it's uh, number one is saying yes to yourself. Because if they haven't been, then they've been saying no, because it's probably something that they've thought to themselves before that they needed to do and just never acted on. So don't be afraid to say yes. Is it scary? Yes. But getting unhealthy and fighting things later in life is scary as well, right? It's like the situation of saying all things are hard. Being out of shape is hard because you're out of shape and everything is going to be hard. But also being in shape is hard as well because you have to have a grave level of discipline and show up every single day, regardless of how you're feeling in that moment, to do the work, regardless. You know what I mean? It may not be perfect, but you always got to show up. So hard is hard across the board. And so say yes to yourself and just take that one step and, and do it the one time. Go once. Be it apartment gym, be it you do 25 air squats and 25 push-ups or 25 squats and you go walk a mile or whatever it may be. Say yes and go do it once. And day number two, do it again. Say yes again. Day number three, say yes again. And just stop denying yourself and keep saying yes to you every single day because nobody can want personal growth for themselves more than that individual. You know what I mean? That individual has to want it. and uh, But you got to show up for yourself always because whenever you bring your greatest you into the world, you give your greatest to others. And that's what the world needs is everybody's greatest version and most pristine version and, and self-personal growth version uh, every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we got uh, Mr. Everything uh, on the show. Um we like to do this thing every once in a while. I don't know what it is about Mr. Everything. He got a beef <laughs> with most of the wrestlers that come on this show. I don't know what it is, uh, but he he always has a few things to say. Um, if you wouldn't mind entertaining Mr. Everything, uh, we got to go to promo school real quick. Uh, Mr. Everything has some things personally that he would like to say to you. Uh, I guess when you guys next meet. So beautiful people, prepare yourself because we're going to the best damn promo school. <laughs> and look, man, look, look. Dante going first. Let, let, let him go first. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this like like uh um what was the name of the movie? Uh three mile. What was the movie? Three mile. <laughs> Eight mile. Yeah, hey, Mal, let him go first. I'll let him go first. So here, here's what's funny about this situation. This man, Mr. Everything right here, can't even remember the movie that he's trying to say to make me go first. He's right. I should go first. You know why? Because I have those. Matter of fact, Mr. Everything knows, just like everybody else that has crossed primetime Dante Smiley's path, that they have gone down, including him. 
Because over here is different. At the level that I'm at, it's different. Everything I do is different because I can do everything everybody else can. Everybody cannot do what primetime Dante Smiley does because real life ain't no gimmick. You heard me. <laughs> okay. I understand. I understand that you, when you think that it's your time, you call yourself the prime time. And the thing about you, Dante, is yes, you can do everything that you do, but you can't do everything that I do. Because that's why they call me Mr. Everything, because I'm capable of doing every and anything. And you may say, and I, and I see in cars rolling in your head, that I can do everything except beat you. But however, you didn't beat me, Dante. You stole a win. <laughs> like everybody else does that steps in the ring with Mr. Everything, they steal a win. They never beat me. They always steal a win. And that's fine and dandy because when we cross paths again, Dante, I know exactly where your mindset is. I know what you are capable of. I know what you're willing to do. And I'm not going to waste any prime time to let you get that win again. Because when we step in the ring again, you're going to do one thing for me. And I say my name loud and proud and with conviction or you would keep my name out your mouth. That's promo school, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, real talk, real talk. Oh, real talk, man. Real quick, real quick. <laughs> real quick um, I've, I've, been in, I've been connected with Sir Mo for a very long time. Uh, he came, he saw me in a, at a show in North Carolina, and uh, my son's mother... Went and spoke to him after my match, and he gave me this autographed picture of him and um and Big Daddy V, uh, ready may you rest in peace. Um, and on the back of it, he was like, "Your great match, um, wrestling Messiah, Black Jesus." And, <laughs> and he has called me Black Jesus ever since. Even he does. when I was there, he was like, "Yo, that's Black Jesus," and I don't don't know why nothing wrong because that's Black <laughs> Jesus right there. Y'all y'all gonna be in trouble. Um. And I, I stayed in contact with him, and I connected with him, and he connected me to Jason. And Jason invited me out to Arkansas. And, of course, anybody that is anybody that wants to get an opportunity and soar, OIWA, Chaotic Kingdom, Lit, wherever, you got to go through this man right here. You have to go through this man right here because he is the elite of the entire locker room, the entire company, the entire organization. And they put me through that test. They said, yo, we're going to put him in there with Dante and see how he does. And from that moment on, it was like this. 100%. It was like this. And Jason has been in contact with me ever since, and they bring me back as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, Sir Mo is bringing me down to Texas in June, and I'm excited. We we got Germany June yep. 29th. Yeah, I gotta, I'll got. i go up there in, in April as well. 420, I'll be up there in that exact same spot because – they're sending me up there. They're like, hey, we need you to go up there and test it out before we have all these people buy tickets <laughs> to go yeah. out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I'll be out there on 420 defending the title as well um, and seeing what this company is about, seeing how their locker room is, that way I can come back and relay the information to everybody. 
But yeah, it's, it's going to be great, man. And that you know, that's the one thing about Mo, man. He's the most unselfish person ever, dude. The most unselfish person ever. Uh, he always tries to create opportunities for people in in his collective that is close to him and on the outside. If he feels like you're somebody of value and you bring value, it won't crap on his name by him sticking his neck out for you. He's going to try to get you an opportunity 100%. And uh, there's a lot of people out there that talk big game and say they'll do stuff like that, but not really do it. Mo's all about action. He's very little about talk, all about action on making sure he puts the people that he believes in in the the most proper position for them to really either level up, take it to the next level, be viewed at a certain level or whatever it may be. And that is a rarity in this game these days. That is a very big rarity in this game. But luckily, you know, people like myself and and people like uh, Andrews, we got them on our side, you know what I mean? Uh, because, because it's rare and it's special, you know, and getting to do life with the locker room that we have. Because I take that serious, as he said, you know, he knows – that I'm, a, I'm big on locker room leadership. I'm big on locker room culture uh, because I think there needs to be a certain atmosphere in a locker room for when these people like himself comes visit or whatever, they feel like family automatically. I don't want to, I don't, I, the greatest thing that I hate is going into a locker room and feel like I got to sit by myself like I'm some weirdo on a bus. You know what I'm saying? Because it happens at some companies because people not everywhere do they make you feel welcome. You know what I'm saying? But it don't matter who we bring it in, bro. I don't feel dreaded by anybody. You come into the locker room, you automatically family me unless you don't want to be, which is totally fine. But we're going to invite you to everything. We, we're we going to do the show. Everything's going to be good. Everybody have good matches. Then it's like, hey, we're going to eat over here afterwards. You want to come to the restaurant with us? You want to come over here with us? When are you leaving tomorrow? Do you want to go work out in the morning before you leave? And everything of the sort because we want people to feel like they're family when they're they're a part of our locker room uh, because to me they are and I make sure all the locker room follow suits in those situations and they automatically know because that standard uh, uh, presentation and core values has been long set and they've been heated to that already. Absolutely, absolutely. Could we see a possible? Tag team with Dante Smiley and Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews. This is professional wrestling. Anything could happen. We're two beautiful <laughs> black men. So, of course, it could possibly happen. You know what I mean? Of course, it could possibly happen. You never know. Because, you know, I don't like seeing things happen to certain people. You know what I mean? Mr. Everything, he'd be around. You know what I'm saying? So, he's somebody that if somebody's trying to do him wrong, he's somebody I would help, and I hope he feels the same way. And if it came down to it, then we'll molly wop any other two people that we would have to if we had to. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, if that ever happens between me and Dante, you can forget about the entire tag team division of every company. Every company. Because they're be like, look, we can't keep up. We can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Our bodies hurt. My lungs hurt. My heart hurt. Listen, I got I got pain in my veins. I don't even know how right. to That's what's going to happen to him, okay? Because you, you guys need to check out Dante's workouts. And, and do you have anything on, on video? You have a couple of things on video, right? Oh, yeah. I got I got a few things. I mean, on, my, yes. on Facebook, on Instagram, type in Dante Smiley. They'll be able to find it. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. You guys need to check out some of his workout. Everybody says, oh, Victor Andrews, I ain't, I ain't working on him. Look at this man's workout. <laughs> and then come holler at me and see who you'd rather be bothered with. Neither one of us. <laughs> you don't want to be bothered with neither one of us. But we'll, we'll get you to where you want to be, the way yeah. you need to be, 
that's going to fit for you. Like, we're not going to try to kill it. Our workouts are designed for us. Right. We try to tell people all the time, it's designed for us. But right. you want to come and get your work in, we, we, we got you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, listen, this was a great interview, man. Uh, we do this thing each and every show. It's a way for us to give a little bit of motivation, a little bit of hope to the people uh, that listen to us. Uh, it's a way for us to almost give a little bit of a ministry right. and, and, you know, of sorts. Uh, do you have a quote, uh, a word of, of positivity, a word of motivation to help people get through? Dante Smiley, do you have a final word for the beautiful people. Yes. And that final word would be more than anything, and I wholeheartedly believe this, and it's cliche as hell, but it's what's gotten me through and gotten me laser focused. Um, and it's the, and I've said it already during this interview, and it's that people have to understand that nobody can do the work for them, right? And, and that's the thing. Nobody can do the work for you. You want it, you have to do the work. In this world, it may look like handouts, but there is no handouts in this world. You know what I mean? There is no fair in this world. All you can do in life to succeed that you fully control all the way through is the work that you put in to do so. Because nobody can stop that. And with that, Nobody can stop or block a blessing that you have over your life that you don't let them. That's right. Oh, man. That was a final word from Deacon Reverend <laughs> Smiley. <laughs> oh, man. You got another calling on your life, brother, man. You got Hey, listen, you got you got a voice, my my dude, and I think that uh, a lot more people need to hear uh, what you have to say. I think that you uh, are very talented. You're very well-spoken, um, and I think that you're what uh, we need to have the voice like yours in these locker rooms and the representation like yours on our TV screen. So we wanted to just give you your flowers, my brother. Uh, we love your work. We're going to keep on supporting you after, even after this is done. Anything that you post, we're going to repost. <laughs> so <laughs> as we grow, uh, we want to help you grow, man. And, um, you know, if you, if I know if you need anything from Mr. Everything, go ahead and ask him. He ain't going to say no to Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my dude, brother. <laughs> Oh man, well listen, uh thank you for that final word, man. Where can people find you? What's your social medias and what you got going on? Most definitely. So uh Facebook, Dante Smiley, D-O-N-T-A-E-S-M-I-L-E-Y. Instagram is at D Smiley Built Different. Twitter is at D Smiley B D. Also, you can Google my name. My SEO has been locked in. So Everything about me is going to come up. I as I always joke. I say there's more about me on the internet than I wish there was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, but it's also at the same time, it's a beautiful thing. But uh, but yeah. So those are all the ways, man. Got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, got some big shows coming up. Like I said, I'm gonna be in Germany twice this year. We're working on Japan as well. We're working on going back out to the UK as well. So I'm really focused on the international travel and getting my my name out more that way. Also, still reaching out to do the TV stuff with NWA to get back to doing some stuff with AEW and all that, man. And just uh, keep, 
keep the marathon going, dude. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a it's a long race this this wrestling business, and you know what I mean. I'm not gonna let the wrestling business take me out. Uh, if it ever came down to it, it's gonna end when I want it to end, and that end ain't coming no time soon. Because I still believe that the best is yet to come for Dante Smiley when it comes to my professional wrestling career, and I owe myself and my family and this business uh, the time to be able to find that out. You know what I mean? And uh, so yeah, I'm excited. Awesome, awesome. Uh, real quick, what is your what is your goal when it comes to wrestling? Do you have a wrestling goal? Yes, I do, man. Like like straightforward as uh, like I want a contract, right? I want to be able to live off of professional wrestling, uh, and that has to come with a contract with a company like TNA, AEW, WWE. Do I have a specific place? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Because you never know where you're going to go. You never know where you fit in most because I've only been in one of those locker rooms, which is the AEW locker room. And I do feel like I fit in there. I got a lot of friends there. My style is great for something like that. You know what I mean? It's just all about getting an honest opportunity to fully be able to show what you could do as well. You know what I mean? Everybody does what they can when they get the little spots and stuff like that when Dark was still around and whatnot. But, uh, you know, everybody's 100% there for them, and we know that. And that's fine because we 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 get the exposure. Right? Like when we get there, you know, we, we get paid, we get to be in there with some great athletes, and we get great amount of exposure. But just imagine when people really get an honest opportunity, some of these athletes out here where you can see it in a little bit, they might have did in the five minutes that they got it, you give them 10, and you can really see them possibly shine in that and see, really see the value in somebody like my man BK got when he faced uh, when he faced Hangman. You know what I mean? He got a grave honest opportunity in that. Did his Doug Dizzle in that match, as he always done. I've been in the ring with brother. He's an amazing wrestler, amazing gimmick. And uh, he went up there and got his eats when he was able to get that 10 minutes on TV with Hangman. You know what I mean? It did at this point. It has definitely reaped the benefits afterwards 100%. Uh, absolutely. Well, listen, I think you would be in a little bit modest, man, because you got the best drop kick in the business, Jack. I see, I see, I see you take a couple of heads off with that drop kick. I was like, damn, this, how you get up like that? Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a stretch when I get out of bed, bro. You see, <laughs> I want to pull a groin muscle or something. I'm like, man, he get up pretty high. All that's right. That's all that crap. Godzilla in the mouth. <laughs> That's all that crossfit, bro. That's what that is. And it's funny. So funny story real quick about the dropkick that I'll let y'all in, right? So back in the day, we're talking 2017, 2018, my former tag team partner and I, you can kind of see those right there. Like we won like tag team of the year here in war in Texas, like multiple times at a big uh, podcast that covered Texas wrestling. So we were really out there as a tag team for a good while. But we faced Keith Lee and Shane Taylor when they were PBK at VIPX. When we were talking about the match, I told Keith Lee, I was like, hey, when I hit you with the drop kick, you know, like, protect yourself because I know you're 6'3", 6'4". You ain't used to people getting up there, uh, so please make sure you put your hand up. He was like, all right, you know, cool. He did not put his hand up, and he got a good <laughs> on that. Right, I mean, the guy, I still got the picture right in the charts, right there. Uh-huh. Oh, 6'3", <laughs> me, bro. I was like, oh, shit. You know, he was like, no, it was my bad, dude. He was like, you told me. He was like, but then it was there. I was like, damn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you told me, but damn, I ain't no one like that. I'm just, I almost kicked out my mama. <laughs> right. That's funny. Uh, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, we love to... 
We would love to see more from you, my brother. You are always welcome back on this podcast, man. You now a best damn alum of the show. And uh, anytime that you want to come on, if you got something to promote, uh, you got some new music that's dropping you want to share with people, man, uh, we'll put it on all our platforms. But uh, like I said, we wanted to give you your flowers, brother. And uh, uh, we looking forward to uh, some of your future endeavors. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, of course. Uh, anytime, anytime. Mr. Everything, I got to ask you, do you have a final word for your beautiful subjects? Absolutely. So last week, we took a final word from the movie Finding Nemo. This week, we're going to take a word from the movie Frozen. <laughs> you want your dance to the kid, can't look, you, man, look, man. I got kids. I got kids, okay? Um, <laughs> but I've been thinking about it for a while, and it is... Um, Grandpappy said that the brain can be easily changed, but the heart not so easily. Mm. So I want to say to the beautiful people, your mind can be easily changed, but your heart not so much. When you do something, put all your heart into it and stick with it. Don't let your mind take over your heart and change you or detour you or detour you or uh, send you on a different path from what you want to do. You might sit there and say, oh, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think it's, it's going to come to fruition. I think it's taking too long. But if you really want that, if you really feel it deep in your heart, let your heart guide you and let your mind change to what your heart says, not mm. the other way around. That's a word, yo. That's a word, Jack. That's a beautiful word. This is why they call me Mr. Everything. This is why they call hey. me Mr. Everything with the green eyes. I can't, I can't, follow. <laughs> I can't follow that one. I can't follow that one. <laughs> I'm let that breathe. That is a great word. From your boy, Mr. Everything, Victor Andrews. Uh, my name is Brian Renegade. You can find me on all platforms at Brian Renegade. We got some uh, some more stuff for you. Oh, tomorrow, we got a huge interview. With, we've been talking about him almost uh, all interview. But your boy, uh, Sir Mo, will be in the building. Uh, he's talking about his career, uh, a little bit of training, and some more stuff. So check that out. Uh, the interview with Sir Moan. You can always, like always, check out all the replays of the show on all of our platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, all that nice. jazz. Listen, can't hold you no longer. Uh, Dante Smiley, you are a gentleman and a scholar, sir. Thank you for being on this platform uh, we uh, we uh, are, are looking forward to seeing more from you, my brother. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right. We will see you next week on the next Best Damn Wrestling Podcast. Beautiful people, we bid you adieu.